Welcome to the Tips and Salsa podcast, your local source for chips, salsa, and instructional technology happenings within the Redlands Unified School District. And here are your hosts, Jamie Quartz, Nicole House, Caleb Rothy, and Jen Vadney. Hello, Redlands teachers and staff, and welcome to another episode of Tips and Salsa. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm joined, as always, by our amazing tech coaches, Caleb. Hey, hello. Jen. Oh, hi. And Nicole. Hi. So through the years, we've had some really great and interesting guests, and this person today ranks as one of the most interesting people that I know. He's Esri's school program manager and has been sharing and teaching ArcGIS across the country for over 30 years. He was actually a former social studies teacher and comes with just a wealth of knowledge. Most recently, he helped us to orchestrate our amazing GIS day last November with world-renowned scientist Don Wright. So with that, I'd like to extend a warm welcome to our friend, Charlie Fitzpatrick. Yay! Yay! Welcome, Charlie! (laughs) We're glad you're here. Thank you for this uh, great intro. Yeah, I was going to add uh, Count of Montefisto, King of Sting. Uh, <laughs> um, all the things. Yeah, all those things. All the things. Yeah. Well, we are actually with Charlie, um, li- not live, I'm sorry. We are Zooming him in today, which is a little bit different. So, Charlie, I'm hoping that you have your own version of chips and salsa at your place because we always start out with that as um, – making sure that everybody's on the same page with what we've got for a little snack here. So do you have something at home to join us? Oh, you bet. Okay, great. Well, we have for our chips and salsa today, the original restaurant style Tostitos that we've paired so nicely with a mild red salsa from Vons called Del Real. And so we are enjoying this right now. You'll hear some crunching going on in the background. I'm hoping that thinks that means everybody likes what they're trying so far. What do you think? Very tasty. Yeah, that's our sound check, like Charlie was saying. Right, yeah. right. Yep. Probably not spicy enough for most of you, but I am actually enjoying it. I like Me the too. flavor a lot, so it's good. So, Charlie, go ahead and feel free to crunch away whenever you have a chance. Oh, um, and the reason why Charlie's not in person with us is because he's East Coast, right? I am. I'm in uh, the D.C. area. Yeah, nice. so that's cool. So, Oh, so it's actually... Um, Several hours later. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Almost dinner time for you. Technology. <laughs> yeah, technology. Wow, it's amazing. Amazing. <laughs> All right. Um, well, Charlie, we know you very well. And Jamie provided us with a great introduction. Could you add to that introduction and tell our, I was about to say viewers, <laughs> tell our <laughs> listeners all about yourself? Okay. Um, I'll give you the short version rather than the... Uh, uh, the seventy-year version. Uh, I, I'm. I used. To, I was in college and uh, got a degree in in geography and went to uh, teacher training school, uh, going through certification and uh, uh, became a social studies teacher so that I could teach geography mm-hmm. and. Uh, I eventually, uh, at the school where I was, uh, I, I was able to work my way from high school down into eighth grade, where I found Nirvana, uh, <laughs> teaching eighth grade. Wow. Yeah. Wait a second. <laughs> and, uh, Wait, you taught Kurt Cobain? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so uh, after doing that for about 15 years, I saw GIS and I said, wow, to have uh, my students do. And that was when Esri was looking for uh, a program to begin. So I left the classroom. I had spent a, a, a bunch of time helping teachers be able to teach geography using computers and uh, mm. decided, okay, I'm going to broaden that out. And, and uh, at the beginning, I thought, okay, this is going to be this is going to be great. Everybody's going to pick this up uh, once they get the right right devices in place. But of course, everything changed all the time. <laughs> so, Charlie, were you in California locally at that time? Um, I was in Minnesota teaching. That's my that's my uh, native home. And uh, when I began with Esri, I moved to California for a year, and then uh, because of family issues, uh, moved back to. Minnesota went back out to California for a couple of years uh, when we had team uh, transition uh, happening then. And uh, after that, uh, I moved to the D.C. area, in, and I've been here since the fall of uh, uh, 2009. Wow, that's cool. That's the same time I moved from the East Coast to the West Coast. <laughs> oh, you were that car I was like, uh, <laughs> right, right, we passed. That's an educator swap, yeah. I think. It was an educator swap. Yep. Yep. Well, I guess you're yep. a, a man of our own hearts because three of us here are former middle school teachers. So, yeah. Yeah. Yes. No wonder why we connect, Charlie. <laughs> yep. yep. Um, so we're obviously going to be talking about GIS today and ArcGIS and, and Esri. Um, Charlie, we were thinking that we should probably start right at the beginning. Can you share with our audience what is GIS and, and why does it exist, basically? Okay. So an, an easy way to think about GIS is computer mapping, but that doesn't really do uh, justice to it. Um, if you think about... Uh, in your head, uh, open up a picture of the world outside. And what you see is that things here aren't like things over there. And the world is a kind of a messy place. But if you sort of abstract that back to layers of things, there's buildings, there's roads, there's lakes, there's mountains, there's all kinds of different layers of content that make up the world. And what we do with computers is just say, let's, let's look at those layers. Let's, let's push them all together, or let's just look at a couple of layers. I want to see the, the political units and the population, mm. um, or I want to see political units and terrain and population. And so I get, I get a different picture that way. GIS allows people to build maps to explore the relationships between different layers. And uh, so what, what we like to do is to tell people, you know, think about the world as layers of point data, line data, and areas, and images mainly. And you have you you have as complex or as as simplified a sandwich as you want, and you can zoom in and zoom out and slide around, and it's all of these different uh, uh, 
maneuvers that you can do that 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 really opens up understanding right. and that computers have really boosted the capacity to understand places and relationships in a huge way. What was um, GIS like pre-computer? Could, could you do the same type of analysis pre-computer? You could, and you can even do that with, without a computer, or even without, without physical things. You can think about this. You can close your eyes and say, all right, can I, can I draw the room that I'm in? Can I can I give it a shape and then can I say here are the big chunks of furniture and there are the windows and and there's a north south mm. east and west I know where they are and you can start building those things and hey um, is there a relationship between the windows and the door uh, do I have a, a big piece of furniture right in front of the door no I don't because. <laughs> You want to be able to get out of the room. And so it's, it's things are where they are. Think, there's a reason why things are where they are. And so what I used to tell my students and the sign that I had up above my blackboard, because I was this, I, I was teaching back in the blackboard days. They were really black <laughs> blackboards. Um, and, and the sign that I had up above there was that geography is three questions. What's where? Why is it there? And so what? So we rely on being able to see lots of information and then understand those relationships, know why things are where they are, and then think about the really most important and exciting and interesting and meaningful part, which is, okay, uh, what is that going to mean for this group, that thing, uh, those organisms that live over there. So, Charlie, take us back to the beginning when you first heard about GIS or learned about GIS and sort of what inspired your interest into getting into it. Oh, cool. Um, I, I was – well, first of all, you have to understand that I was born not a geographer, uh, and I'm still, I have to work to be a geographer. Now, I've been trained because it, it, it made things interesting for me. I was a terrible navigator. I didn't understand the way the world worked. I had three older brothers and two parents and a great family, and they took care of me, and everywhere I was going, somebody <laughs> was taking me there. I didn't have to pay attention to anything. Showed up. <laughs> and... And so all of a sudden, as, as my brothers are getting older and leaving home and, uh, I, hey, I'm in charge of traveling now. And how do you know how to get places? And I was, a, I, I was and still am a terrible navigator. There are people who can just say, oh, I went there once. You go, but we're coming from a different direction, so they can recite how yeah. to get there from a totally different direction. I can't do that. I discovered in college, hey, I can. There are there are patterns in the world. They're really actually patterns. Yeah, this was so exciting yeah. for me, and and the patterns and the relationships between things was just was thrilling for me to to discover. And so I said, I want to I want to engage in this. So 
Um, part of what I ended up doing was trying to transmit that to students to help them be able to see like I couldn't when I was their age. And then as I was involved in teaching, somebody did a project, uh, a teacher did a project at a workshop that was mind blowing for me. And he opened up a database this was Apple Works. This is back in the Apple IIe oh, time goodness. frame, 1986. And he said, we're going to take a look at this set of data about the countries and do some hypothesizing. Um, when you look at this variable and that variable, do they have a positive relationship, a negative relationship, no relationship at all? I was just like, oh, my God, this is really that's this awesome. is really powerful yeah. stuff here. Yeah. These things go together. And of course, the problem was what we were looking at was just a set of statistics. I knew on the basis of the name of the country where it was. And I knew because of some of the characteristics that I knew about different countries, I could make some explanations. But the students that don't have that kind of background... Yeah. Um, might have a much harder time. So I always wanted to be able to put it on a map. And with, if only there was some kind of technology <laughs> that would help me do that. But you know, it was really hard back in those days right, to do that. Right. It makes me think of like all the books that we've ever read about pedagogy and relationships and connections yeah. to real life and to each other is almost always at the top of the best types of things that we can do to get kids to think. So yeah. this is awesome. It really, it's like the way you're describing your revelations makes sense to me. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I appreciated the um, explanation you gave of doing a map kind of in your mind that, that really explained it for me with the layers. Um, we've talked a lot about the layers and GIS and how that's working. Let's now start to incorporate Esri into all of this. Um, can you tell us a little bit about just what Esri is like, how, what is all of this? We hear this word. What is it? Sure. Esri is actually an acronym for uh, the company's name, which when I, when I started, it was uh, Environmental Systems Research Institute. Right. Um, the company started as a nonprofit operation doing services and learning how to do some things that back in the old days, the company began in 1969. Ah, that's back when it was referred to as ESRI. 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 Yep. <laughs> yep. And so after after doing projects, uh, doing work for people, discovering and building computer software to solve problems and things like that, the company decided, okay, let's, instead of being a little nonprofit group, let's turn into a company and, mm. and let's work on, um, in addition, and, and really more instead, let's help people be able to do their own work. Let's work on getting the software into people's hands and, and help them know how to do things. Hmm. So they... Been, and this was back in in the era of you know big strong computers, Unix boxes, and uh, uh, really 
not something that that a typical school would have. Mm -hmm. So they got started doing that stuff. I joined um, in in June of '92, and Arc what it what 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 was then Arc Info the 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 flagship product of Esri was in version six. And so that, that family of products has evolved Mm. and we are now in the, on the desktop version in version, what would be version 11, but we don't, we don't follow that same kind of naming scheme anymore. Um, And um, so Version ten of that version of that software still there are some people that are still working with that. Okay. Um, but the the what has evolved is that the technology that we're, that we're all accustomed to devices have become so powerful. The operating systems have become so supportive. The software that can take advantage of all of these things has become so specialized that now there are things that you can do just even on a cell phone right. and getting people to be thinking about how do I gather data, look at it, analyze it, and uh, interpret it and present it. All these different ways of, of working with it. All of those things were what people were doing way back when those those same processes gathering data analyzing it exploring it presenting it, all those things people were doing way back then it was it just took so much longer you're you're a really unique guest for us because in a sense you're one of the few who has experiences from almost the very beginning to where like you say it's it's readily available on a cell phone so if, basically a supercomputer that it took to, <laughs> to run this stuff. And now everybody, it's, it's, it's readily available for anybody, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and for students, it, uh, that, old, that, that old stuff, you know, that's, that's ancient history. We <laughs> don't need to worry yeah. about that ancient history. We don't need to spend time appreciating the fact that we just we just want to do something with it, yeah, right, and have some fun with it. And so, what I really like to do is to give students uh, an opening experience where they're. And I always wanted to do this with my students in class. Yeah. They're looking at a two D map and a three D sphere at the same time, right. and they're and. When you wiggle one, the other one moves incredible. as well, <laughs> so that you can yeah. see the relationship there. And the whole world is on that digital map. You know, it's right. just not exactly. like a, a screenshot of of something. If they're looking at this, you know, the map of the country, they can still scroll over and look at Europe or look at countries, yeah. you know, in yeah. in Asia yeah. and kind of explore that area and see those countries in comparison to where they live. So it just kind of, it's, you, you have the world at your fingertips in a certain capacity. Yeah. You know, um, along that line, in, in the last year that I was teaching, I was flying from D.C. back to Minnesota, and lo and behold, right next to me in the airplane is a guy that I know is a congressman, a U.S. congressman from Minnesota. Um, <laughs> I had 
seen him and talked to them once uh, a couple of years earlier, and uh, was it, I, was I it, was impressed by him. Was it Jesse the Body of Ventura? <laughs> it was not. Uh, oh, dang it. it. It was actually a I was going to get excited. The brain. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and he, um, uh, when he put down his stuff and sat back a little bit, I said, uh, Congressman, I, I have here a, uh, a copy of the Minnesota Geography Alliance newsletter that I was, you know, instrumental in, in getting that mm-hmm. out. And I just want you to have a copy of it. And there were all these articles that I had painstakingly assembled for you know, weeks and weeks and weeks. And I look at him and he's going, flip. <laughs> flip. Cool. Flip. Great. Yeah, thanks and a lot. then he flipped back because he flipped back to the one that was a page, a full page world map about military expenditures. And he sat and looked mm. at it and studied it didn't move his, you know, the, the didn't move pages at all for five minutes. And that he looked mattered. at it and studied it. And I was thinking, he's just really absorbing yes. this thing huh. and thinking about this. And then he, he turned it back to portrait, went flip. <laughs> done. And it was, but you that know, part mattered to Five him. minutes and fifteen seconds on that on that uh, newsletter. But the the image of the, the the map image with the data on it that's what grabbed his attention. Yes. That's what yes. grabbed him. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, and all of my my mind blowing prose was uh, <laughs> pushed aside. Um, the the more I immerse myself in the world of GIS, I hear the phrase "thinking geographically." What does that word mean, or that phrase mean to Esri? It's really the heart of what we do and what we want people to do, which is really to see. And we've been talking about patterns and relationships. We want people to see things from multiple perspectives. And so we talk frequently about, um, okay, do we have the right data that we need? Do we, are the data um, appropriate? Or do we have all the data that we need? And then can we think about data that, that, might, that might not normally be thought of in relationship to this topic? somebody who has a different set of ideas about the thing that we're looking at, uh, they, might, they might be really uh, concerned about something different. So ge- a geographic vision of something is a holistic vision. We try to see things from multiple directions, of course, but m- multiple layers of data, let's pull out uh, a couple of layers of data and focus on them. Then let's change the, the layers. Let's look at the patterns about how this thing varies with that thing. But let's also see how are other people and organisms affected by this? How are, how are we going to cope with this when things change from day to day, season to season, year to year? It's, it's understanding this thing from more than a single perspective of uh, uh, somebody who's really interested and focused on this one thing, but may not see the totality of it. We can't really make good decisions about 
something that is scarce or important um, without understanding it in its total uh, condition and impact. You you said something that caught my attention. You said uh, we can't make decisions. So lots of people make decisions. Lots of companies make decisions. Who are the people who can use this tool to help them yeah, make decisions? Yeah. <clears throat> That's a great question. And um, the, the, the good news and bad news about GIS is that everybody can use it. <laughs> <laughs> and we talk about this from uh, uh, all the way from architecture to uh, zebra farming, A to Z. <laughs> and um, it's, it's, it's everybody, everybody, everything exists somewhere. And that means, and because things here aren't like things over there, there are going to be some optimal places, some less good places, some uh, combination places, some really um, sparsely uh, populated places. Everybody needs to move things from here to there. They need to deal with people that are in other places. So it's 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 a technology that people use to uh, to organize airports and to organize the layers of things that they need to consider in an airport, the runways and the taxiways and the, how much uh, uh, of what kind of underground structures need to be in place and the airspace overhead and who's traveling where. And uh, there's so many things at an airport, but not just airport, I mean, you know, think about the UPS people uh, who are flying things around or FedEx and how do they, how are they uh, arranging things and and coordinating flights and oh uh, hey what about the farm fields that they fly over cities with with water systems going in between and the the school buses that are traveling on the roads and need to get pick up kids in an orderly fashion so that well, the kids aren't orderly, but the school bus <laughs> is uh, moving in an orderly fashion so that they can do this most efficiently. Anything that says we need to be sensible about how we use X, whether it's land or uh, time or um, uh, uh, coffee beans or salsa. <laughs> hey, is there enough? Is there enough? salsa in this one little dish to feed the 14 people around the table. Uh, almost not here. Uh, no. Char Charlie, are there um, local um, agencies or even like really well-known agencies that all of us would know that you know are currently using the Esri software? Sure. Um, anybody going to uh, Starbucks, uh, they, they use our software to figure wow. out where, no idea. where to uh -huh. place, where to place their uh, stores. That's cool. How do the, the bean uh, growers uh, treat their land? They're, they're trying to understand that. Mm -hmm. How do they uh, ship product back and forth? Um, farmers. Uh, I know my uh, husband. Anybody? My husband works for the U.S. Forest Service, Charlie, and so he is a firefighter with them, and they use these maps regularly. Yep. I mean, more than one map per fire even. Yeah. So, yeah. 
It's yep. it is oh yeah am- amazing. It, um, I was and it's Esri. Yeah. We mm-hmm. sent uh, a few people to uh, user conference a few years ago. I think it was in either 2018 or 2019, and we were at the plenary, and Jack was speaking. Jack Dangerman, um, president of the company, or I'm not sure if he's president or CEO. What his title is? President. president. Okay. Yep. Um, and he goes. Before I get started, I'd like you to meet the people around you, around you. Please um, turn around and shake hands with someone sitting in a seat nearby. And so our row turned around and met the people behind us. They were from the Department of Defense. Right. So, <laughs> like, hey, and they knew of Redlands. No Yay! one ever knows Redlands, <laughs> yeah. but of course they did because they use ArcGIS. That's they know cool. Esri and they know the headquarters are right here in town. Did they have to do that Men in Black zap your memory thing immediately <laughs> afterwards? Well, it, we just did a shout out to the Department of Defense. So we're definitely going to send them this podcast. Who? <laughs> so, so basically what we're all saying is Esri is almost as world famous and renowned as our podcast. I think so. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Almost. Yeah. One A and one B, okay. I think, is the way <laughs> rank them. Maybe, maybe coming up sec- a close second. Uh-huh. <laughs> Our conversation with Charlie Fitzpatrick was so great and far-ranging that we've decided to break the interview up into two parts. Join us for the second half of this interview in our next episode, where we'll learn more about Esri and education and talk about GIS in the classroom.